It is exactly four minutes after eight o'clock on Metro Vem Talk. Now, it is said that there's a growing realization that social entrepreneurship has a central role to play in a country as economically and socially divided as South Africa. Now, the question we're asking tonight is what kind of role is this? And, and can this form of entrepreneurship actually assist with job creation? We've been talking jobs, 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 and we cannot talk about jobs and employment uh, enough. And we join this evening by Miranda Simri, who is the director of the Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs. Good evening. Hi, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or you think that you might have any questions that you want to pose to Miranda, do make sure that you give us a call on 089-110-3377. That's 089-110-3377. Now, Miranda, before we get into our discussion tonight, I mean, you've been involved in, in the area of entrepreneurship development for years now. What attracted you to it? It certainly has been a while of being uh, involved in entrepreneurship promotion and development. I've had the opportunity to work both in government, on government and in the private sector as well as in academia and been able to see the opportunity that lies in entrepreneurship specifically for young people within a context of mounting unemployment in South Africa. More and more emphasis is going towards entrepreneurship and the ability of entrepreneurship to stimulate job growth and employment. And so I think it's really the the interest in um, entrepreneurship's contribution to economic development that fascinates me and that continues to inspire me to do this work. Now, you've mentioned various sectors that you've dabbled in uh, over, over the years. When you look at your, because, you know, sometimes I believe it, it does make sense connecting the dots from the back when you look back. Looking back now, how has your journey through um, corporate, through entrepreneurship, small businesses, through government, how has all of that actually tied together to give you a perhaps unique and comprehensive view of what makes entrepreneurship tick, what actually makes it work? I think that I've been fortunate to be part of conversations on both sides of the fence, you know, the public sector and the private sector, and to understand that the the issues remain the same. So despite the fact that there are so many role players and so many stakeholders in the space of entrepreneurship promotion, we still struggle as a country because I think that the approach for many years has been that government and the private sector and academia are all players in this space and yet we don't consolidate our efforts. So there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of effort, there's a lot of investment that happens towards entrepreneurship development and promotion, but often the impact of that effort is diluted because there isn't collaboration. So there's a lack of cohesion uh, between all the various sectors. Now you mentioned uh, challenges and, and the same issues. What are those same issues? I think if you talk to entrepreneurs, the issues are very much the same over and over and over again. Those top issues are access to finance, access to markets, access to business skills. When you talk to various other stakeholders in the space, you'll learn that an issue like access to finance, for example, is understood differently by an entrepreneur versus the other stakeholders. So what we've discovered over the last few years is that Access to finance maybe isn't the problem. What, what could be the problem is accessing the finance that is available because finance is available, but it really is about capacitating entrepreneurs to be able to take up that opportunity.
And so I think that part of the problem that we sit with is that there, there's so much happening in the space. There's so much conversation. Um, and like I said, the issues are, are shared. They are understood by all of the stakeholders. Um, but we struggle in terms of coherent effort um, to impact on these problems in a way that has that has a real impact uh, for the li- in, on, in the lives of entrepreneurs. So you'd say that the challenges and the obstacles are still very structural. So you, you, not so much on the side of the entrepreneurs, but on the side of those who are responsible for creating environments for entrepreneurs to flourish. I think that that's definitely one big problem, yes. Government um, has a significant role to play in terms of creating an enabling environment for entrepreneurs. So too does financing institutions, um, other role players who work towards building the capacity of entrepreneurs and so on. Um, But I do think that it's time that we have uh, conversations that tie together the efforts and look at how we can structure our interventions so that we can have the impact that we're wanting to achieve. And now when we look at entrepreneurs who are successful, who manage to make it work despite really challenging, tough environments, what are the traits that they exhibit that you've noticed that perhaps put them ahead above the rest? One big question that we always have to to deal with and that we encounter a lot is whether entrepreneurs are born as opposed to made, whether they can be created. Um, And certainly from our perspective, we think that we can impart some of the skills to entrepreneurs that they need. Um, We can help them to approach things like mindset and intention and looking at developing some of the key characteristics. So for me, some of those key characteristics include things like tenacity, um, resilience. uh, We call it entrepreneurial grit, uh, determination, the ability to be adaptable and flexible. Um, So I think some of those can be developed in entrepreneurs. And then obviously we need to look at the business skills development, which nobody is born with. And and also, I guess life also is such a huge teacher because, I mean, the traits that you're talking about, those are the kind of traits that you learn in life after having taken a couple of knocks and and you learn to get up again. And that's perhaps the type of tenacity that you need to bring into an an environment um, such as an entrepreneurship one. Absolutely. I think that our culture is very anti-failure. And in our space, what we consciously try and encourage entrepreneurs is to fail fast and to fail forward. And and I'm going to stop you right there because I'd like us to unpack this a little bit more. Fail fast and fail forward. I like what you said, the fact that we are so averse to failing um, and yet perhaps that's one of the greatest tools that we could ever have. We are in conversation with Miranda Simri, who is Director of the Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs, uh, focusing tonight on women entrepreneurship in South Africa and as well as the power of social entrepreneurship. But as you can hear from our discussion, we're about to get into the woman part. Now it's just generic entrepreneurship. We'll be back right after this. It is exactly 13 minutes after 8 o'clock. Welcome to it. If you've just joined us, this is Metro FM Talk. You've missed out on a fabulous hour and and, uh, and, and some, but not too late as yet. We are in conversation with Miranda Simri and uh, talking entrepreneurship tonight. Now, you said something quite uh, profound before the break. You, you spoke about us as South Africans, and I guess as human beings, being adverse to failure. Failure is not something that, that, is, that is promoted or encouraged. But you said, fail fast and fail forward. What do you mean by that? 
I think that we generally approach entrepreneurship and um, the idea of starting something new with a fair amount of apprehension. And it's not um, particular to just the entrepreneur. I think we can see it in the way that banks and commercial financing institutions respond to entrepreneurship. You know, the risk averseness is something that is quite pervasive in this space. And so when I say fail fast, I mean take the risk. You know, f for an entrepreneur, on the part of the entrepreneur, take the risk to test your idea, to test your market, to test uptake for your product. And then if it's not working, at least you know that you've done so quickly and that you failed quickly and that you haven't expended too much energy and too much time. When I say fail forward, I mean, take the lessons in the failure, you know, rather than failing and feeling like you're a complete failure. Um, and not taking up the opportunity again. I encourage the delegates on our programs to look at what can you learn from the experience? What can you extract in terms of lessons that you've learned, in terms of what the market is telling you and so on, to be able to better prepare yourself for the next time that you take the chance? Because now at least you know what doesn't work. Absolutely. And so it, it tends to be a process of, of elimination as well. Mm -hmm. And I like that mindset um, that you spoke of. You're testing the waters. Mm. You're trying to see how far you can actually take this. So if it does fall flat, okay, pick yourself up and you try something else again. Absolutely. But in South Africa, you'll find that that is not encouraged. What we, in fact, do is to punish people for trying. And so banks and, and retail finance institutions will often go, you know, we can't invest in you because you've already failed. As opposed to saying, we should invest because you've tried this. Because you've And you've, you've learned the lessons <laughs> and you know better now. Right. You've got that life experience. Because yeah. you failed, we can, we can bet on you because you can, you can do this. Absolutely. In a context in South Africa where most businesses, so between 70 and 80 percent of businesses fail in the first year. Within that context, it's very difficult to say we shouldn't be trying. We shouldn't be taking the chance. We shouldn't be encouraging failure. Now, let's look at women specifically within the entrepreneurship space. Is there a particular woman? in entrepreneurship, as in what does the a woman entrepreneur look like? I mean, who are the typical women who end up going into entrepreneurship? I don't think that there's a particular type, that there's a typical woman. In our programs, we see a wide variety, a diverse range of women um, who come into the programs. And I'm talking about, we run various programs, including social entrepreneurship programs, mainstream entrepreneurship programs. We work with entrepreneurs across um, various growth stages, so whether they are ideation stage through to high growth. We work with entrepreneurs across different sectors. And so there isn't a particular type of woman. What I will say, though, that with the women that we see coming into our program, the one defining feature is a hunger and a passion for development, the, the development of themselves. Mm. In addition to that, the other thing that we're seeing is that these women who come into our programs are often looking at how do they impact the communities that they work in, the communities where they run their businesses. And so often for them, the development path is not just about the investment in themselves, it's about how they can multiply that investment to, towards their employees, towards their staff, towards the people that they serve in their communities. I like the aspect of personal growth, the fact that a lot of the women come in and they're really wanting to stretch themselves. They're really wanting to be better and, and stronger and, and more able. And, and so they venture in, into this. If, let's say, there isn't an aspect of personal growth that um, is perhaps one of the reasons for why you do what you do as an entrepreneur, is that a disadvantage or it doesn't really matter? 
I think that your investment in your personal growth determines to what extent you'll be successful. Um, for us, in our programs, we look at both the business development skills um, for the, the entrepreneur, as well as investing in their own personal and leadership development. So you'll find that that's one of the value propositions of our programs, that we add this, pro, this component of personal and leadership development. Um, and for the women who come into our programs, the one aspect that they really find value in is the peer support that we facilitate. Um, entrepreneurship, you may know, is a very lonely journey. Now, if it's lonely for a man who's encountering the issues and the challenges and embarking on the path of entrepreneurship, multiply that by 10 and you'll get to how women experience it. Because often these women are sole breadwinners. They are matriarchs in their families. They run their businesses and their families and they have so many people who are dependent on them. And so this feeling of isolation is multiplied even more for a woman who is an entrepreneur. So would you then say that challenges that women entrepreneurs face are, are different to those of their male counterparts? I think so. You'll find that even in corporate, in the business world, women face different challenges to men. There's, you know, the challenge around uh, what we often call imposter syndrome. You show up and you have to pretend that you've made your way there, you know, that, that you've earned your place, that you're um, taking up your place like every man would. And so for a woman who's an entrepreneur, I think those issues are even more compounded by um, the fear of failure, by the fear of not being successful, by um, the issues around um, the fact that women are often more invested in you know, how their businesses will impact on other people and not just themselves. Mm. And so that becomes a real challenge. You know, now that we've entered Women's Month, I, how about every single woman who is an entrepreneur, how about in these four weeks to push the envelope a little bit more, uh, to face the fears that you have and do the things that ordinarily you felt you were not good enough to do or were not able to do, um, even if it's as, as a test, as you were saying earlier on, even if it's something that you're not necessarily going to you know, succeed brilliantly, mm. but at least you've tried. Mm. And perhaps for those who have wanted to venture into it, perhaps this is the time to move forward. Absolutely. And, and we encourage that. Um, on our program, certainly, we, like I said to you, we work with entrepreneurs across different stages of growth. Often the women who come in who have no experience of entrepreneurship have never worked. Um, for them, it's a real challenge to even get onto the programs, not because we don't select them, but because they have this fear within themselves of not, of not being successful. And so we've often encountered women weeping. Because, you know, the, 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 it's so overwhelming for them, this challenge and the responsibility. And that's really what it is, the responsibility to make something work, because it's not just about you. It's not just about you. After the break, um, Miranda, I'd like us to talk about the difference between social entrepreneurship and, as you have coined it, and as you put it, mainstream entrepreneurship. We are in conversation with Miranda Simri, uh, Director of the Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs, uh, talking women entrepreneurship as well as social entrepreneurship. We'll be back right after this break. It is 23 minutes after 8 o'clock on Metro FM Talk. Uh, Miranda, before the break, I uh, wanted to ask you about the difference between social entrepreneurship and mainstream entrepreneurship. 
So in recent years, there's been a move towards entrepreneurship that has a social imperative, um, so a social objective. Um, we often say that it's the type of entrepreneurship that combines perf- uh, purpose with profit. So it isn't about running a charity um, or a welfare organization. It's very much about running a business that has a social mission, whether that mission is education, health, um, you know, doing something in the green economy, um, food security. There's a whole range of businesses um, that are engaged in social entrepreneurship. So is a sector then the determinant of, of whether or not you are considered a social enterprise or not? I think it's, it's more the purpose and the challenge that you're trying to address rather than the sector. So a challenge is something like unemployment um, or access to medicine or access to early childhood development. Um, so I don't think that it's sector specific. I do think that it's more about the range of social and economic problems that we're trying to address. So with that definition, then it means that there could be bigger companies that are also social entrepreneurship, you know, that are also socially entrepreneurship slanted. Correct. Correct. Very much so. In South Africa, it's still a very new development. Um, globally, about 4% of the population are engaged in, in social entrepreneurship. Um, we've been engaged as Gibbs in social entrepreneurship for the last 10 years. Our social entrepreneurship program is in its 10th year currently. And the fact that we've been running it for 10 years is telling us that there is more uptake of social entrepreneurship. And there's certainly more people who are wanting to do something that has a purpose and a mission um, and and not just um, where the objective is not just about generating revenue. Won't you give us a call on 089-110-3377? That's 089-110-3377. If you've got any questions to ask on perhaps your own social entrepreneurship journey, um, issues of, of funding, access to market skills, etc. We've got Miranda here and uh, you know we'll, we'll pick her brains and, and see how she can you know move you forward. But Miranda, I also wanted to ask you before the break, the barriers to entry as far as the type of programs um, that an institution like yours offers, because, I mean, I, I, I assume that it must be quite costly. You know, Tommy, we run programs for various organizations on behalf of various organizations and institutional donors. Um, we also implement ESD programs for large corporates. Um, we work with government as well. So for some of our programs, the, there really is no barrier to entry per se. It really depends on the target market that the funder is involved uh, or is interested in. Um, we currently run a program for township entrepreneurs, for example, that we're rolling out across four provinces concurrently. And so there is no barrier to entry except the entrepreneur's desire to be in the program and to tick the box around whether they are retail-based, for example, in this case. Um, For some of our other programs, like the Social Entrepreneurship Program, that's an academic program. Yes, there is a fee attached to that one, but we've tried to contain the fees as far as possible. um, And we provide scholarships, you know, for for a a certain percentage of the class every year. So we're invested in the development of entrepreneurs. And for us, it's not just about the profit motive. It also is about how we facilitate the capacitation of entrepreneurs. And so for your scholarships, uh, when is the application period? 
So the scholarship is dependent on when we run the social entrepreneurship program specifically. The SEP runs every year. We've run it every year thus far. Um, this year we started in the third, in the, the second quarter. Um, and so if, if interested parties keep an eye on our website, on our social media and so on, they'll find all of the information on there as we, as we come up to the next round, which is 2020. Awesome. Well, it's been really great, um, you know, chatting to you uh, this evening specifically about entrepreneurship and, and social entrepreneurship. But for people who, you know, would like to know more about your work and what it is that, that you do, how can they get in touch with you? There are a number of ways to get in touch with us. We're on social media platforms, including Twitter. Um, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're very active on Twitter and Facebook. And then obviously through the Gibbs website. Now, I'm always quite interested when you are capacitating other entrepreneurs, was it ever an interest of yours to become an entrepreneur um, yourself? I actually ventured myself. So I have the scars to prove (laughs) (laughs) that I've tried entrepreneurship personally. I think that there's a certain value in having walked the journey yourself um, and being able to understand it as opposed to just preaching from a pedestal. So I've, I've been an entrepreneur myself. I have assisted other entrepreneurs in various capacities. Um, In this current role, I, I am driven by my mission to contribute to the development of entrepreneurship on a broader scale. So not as much for myself as an entrepreneur this time around. And your biggest lesson during your entrepreneurship phase? That it's okay to fail. I I have failed myself and I've learned so much in the process. I've learned about the value of partnership. I've learned about the value of um, determination and tenacity. Um, I've learned the meaning of resilience. Um, And more than that, I think the ability to be able to incorporate the lessons that I've learned and to share that with the delegates that come onto our programs. Isn't life funny? Because at times you look at things and they seem like a failure to you, but actually they are a lesson so that you are able to empower others. Mm. And literally they end up becoming the gift that you are then able to give Uh, to others as they move forward in their own entrepreneurship journey. There's nothing that inspires me more than seeing entrepreneurs come to the end of the development program and the celebration um, that we have with them as we hand over certificates and so on. Beyond that, the stories that they tell us about how we've been able to help them to grow their businesses, Mm. um, how we've been able to help them to employ other people, to be able to secure a, a life for their families. That, I think, means more to me than, than me being an entrepreneur myself now. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your expertise. Thank you for your words of wisdom and for your own life experience, uh, which then becomes a catalyst for greater things uh, for everybody. So this is Miranda Simri, a director of the Entrepreneurship Development Academy at Gibbs. It's been a pleasure having you and happy Women's Month to you. Thank you so much, Tommy. To you too. It's exactly 8.30 right here on the Metro FM Talk. So that was our conversation with Miranda Simri as we focus on entrepreneurship, uh, social entrepreneurship as well. In a moment, we'll be hosting our thought leader for today, businessman, philanthropist, Mr. Colin Mashawana.